in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit one God Amen. Tonight we will study together chapter three from the first letter of Saint John. And actually it has a lot of practical applications in our life which will be very helpful to us in our life especially as youth. First, let me give you an introduction about the whole chapter, and after this, we will take it verse by verse. Chapter 3 starts by explaining the extraordinary love of God towards mankind and its effect. There is no love like the love of God. His love toward us is unconditional, limitless, sacrificial. He died on the cross for us. So there is no other love like the love of God. That's why St. John starts by explaining to us the extraordinary love of God toward us. Then from verse 4 to 6, he explained what sin. Sin is transgression of the law. And all of us, because of sin, we were under the sentence of death. So Christ came in order to take away our sins, to carry our sins in his body. And then when he dies on the cross, he pays the penalty of sin, which is death, and thus we are saved. Then from verse 7 to 9, he differentiated between the children of God and the children of the devil. How do you know whether this person is a son or a daughter of God or son or a daughter of the devil? He said the children of God are known by the holiness of their lives and the children of the devil are known by the sinfulness of their lives. So if anybody lives a sinful life, he's a children of the devil. And those who are living the holy life, they are children of God. By the way, the word holy doesn't mean sinless, but means he is struggling and fighting the good fight to keep himself holy. Usually I use this example. All of us, our clothes get dirty, all of us. But there is a difference between a person who cleans his clothes all the time. So when you see him at any moment, you see him clean because he washing his clothes all the time. And a person who does not clean his clothes at all. So when you see him, he is not clean. So what is the difference? One person cleaning, washing all the time, the other person is not cleaning. In the same way, when we living the life of repentance, repentance means we are washing our sins all the time in the tears of repentance, in the sacrament of confession, and also in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in communion. Then from verse 11 to 16, he spoke about, he started the chapter by the love of Christ, and who are his children, as he said, and the children of God are manifested. So for children of God, then we need to love one another as God loved us. 
So loving the brethren is actually a manifestation that I am among the children of God. Following the example of Christ, when we lay down our lives for the brethren, as Christ laid down his life for us, so if we lay down our life for one another, then we are the children of God. Laying down can be in several examples. One of the examples is charitable deeds. When I take my money or my effort and help others. That's why in verse 17 and 18 he said, Charity is a fruit of brotherly love. Our love should be active and not just by tongue and words. I cannot say, yes, I love you, I care about you, but you need my help and I am deaf. I, I cannot help you. This is not love. So love is not by tongue and words. Love is an action. There were many false teachers and false prophets, and they cast doubt on our faith. And until now, many people cast doubt on our faith. So how do you know whether you are following the truth or not? So then John is explaining to us how we know that we are of the truth. You can find this from verse 19 to 21. Those who are the children of God and those whose ways are pleasing to God, God will answer their prayers. That's verse 22. So when our ways please God, when we live the life of repentance, when we pray, God will listen to our prayers. And then the last two verses, 23 and 24, the necessity of keeping the commandment of Christ that he may dwell in us and we in him by his spirit. When we keep the commandment of God and we fight the good fight to keep the commandment of God, God will dwell in us and we will dwell in him. If not, then we'll be separate from him. So let's start from verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. So he is saying, I want you to reflect about the extraordinary love of God. He called us to be his children, who are made from the dust of the earth. And God made us his children. That's a great honor. And since we are the children of God, and the world does not know God, then the world will not know us, because the world did not know God. So St. John concluded chapter 2, the previous chapter, by saying that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God, since he is righteous. If God is righteous, then if we are children of God, we should practice righteousness. Righteousness means to do what is right. The word righteousness from word right, right versus wrong. God is righteous. God, everything he does, he is righteous. So if we are the children of God, then everything we do 
should be right. And even if we do something wrong, we will offer repentance and we will correct it. Now, in chapter 3, verse 1, he is calling us to reflect on the love of God in allowing us to become his children. This is a great honor. We are not worthy of it. To be the children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what great glory to us to be acknowledged like the children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the world doesn't know God. Since the world doesn't know God, that's why the world doesn't know his children. That's why the children of Christ are persecuted. Children of God are attacked all the time. We're different. We're different because we are transformed and we are not conformed to the world. So if the world does not know the Father, the world will not know his children. In verse 2 he said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be when we go to heaven, what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when Christ is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He is saying, now we already have the great privilege of being the children of God. Our future glory in the second coming in eternal life is not yet revealed to us, not yet manifest to the world. Even we ourselves cannot understand it. It's a mystery. God did not reveal it to us, but we know some facts about it. We don't know how we will be like, but we know some facts. That we will be like him. So our glorious revelation has been made, which we know. That's what God revealed to us. That when he comes in his second coming, we will be like him. What does it mean to be like him? It's a mystery. What does it mean to be like him? It's a mystery. But all the children of God have a substantial resemblance to their father. We should resemble also the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will be like him. Because the Son, Jesus Christ, is the express image of the Father. So if we are like the Son, we also will have the likeness of God. And he told us that we will be like him because we will see him as he is. You know, when you stand in the sun for a long time, the sun actually will make you have a tan. In the same way, continual beholding generate likeness. So when we continually behold God in the eternal life, so it will generate likeness. We will be like him. As the face of the moon, you know, the moon is dark. But the face of the moon, when it is turned toward the sun, you see the moon as if it is light and there is glory. The moon in itself is dark. 
the moon has no light, has no, it's not shining. But since the moon faces the sun, when you look at the moon, it is shining, it is light. In the same way, when we behold the God continually in the eternal life, we will be like him, although we are not in ourselves glorified or have light in ourselves. And when he said, we, we see him, doesn't mean in his innermost Godhead, but as the Father is manifested in Christ, that's what he meant by we will see him. And as he will reveal himself to us, God will reveal himself to us in a way that we can behold him. How this manifestation would be, we don't know. It's a mystery. But we know we will be like him. Then in verse 3 he said, And everyone who has this hope in him, what's hope? What hope? To be like him. So if you have this hope to be like him, purifies himself just as he is pure. For example, if you have the hope to be a lawyer, to be a physician, to be accountant, then you will study hard in order to meet this hope. In the same way, if we have this hope to be like him and to see him, then we will purify ourselves. As he explained, to have hope of being like Christ leads us to try to be like Christ. And Christ is pure. So we want to be pure like him. So this hope is our motivation. You are not going to study if you don't have hope that you will pass the exam. But if you have hope that you're going to pass the exam, you will study. In the same way, having the hope to be like him will encourage us to live pure as he is pure. But can you purify yourself by your, by your own effort without the grace of God? No. So you purify yourself, not of yourself, but of God. God will give you the grace and the power and the strength to purify yourself. As St. Augustine said, you purify yourself, not of yourself, but of him, of God, who comes that he may dwell in you. So when Christ dwells in me, that's how he will make me pure. So birth from God involves self-purification. When we are born in baptism from God, now we are pure. That's why the child, after baptism, we dress him in white, a symbol of purity. Now he is baptized, he is born of God, he is pure. And when we sin and we lose our purity, then by confession, repentance, and communion, we are pure again. Verse 4. Now he spoke about purity. What again is purity? Sin. So now he is speaking about sin. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Lawlessness, you are not living by the law, which law the law of God. So whoever commits sin also commits lawless sin. 
and sin is lawlessness. So if I am committing sins, then I am not pure. The very act of sinning is breaking of the law of purity. Because when I sin, I'm not pure. And if I am not pure, then can I have hope of sonship in the eternal life to be like him? No. If I don't live life of repentance and continually purifying myself, I will have no hope of sonship. Verse 5. No one is without sin. Then there is no hope? No. That's why in verse 5 he said, And you know that he, Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. In Christ there is no sin, but he came to take our sins. So when I commit any sin, when I come, repent, confess my sins, then my sins are removed from me and put on Christ. And since Christ died on the cross, then my sins would be forgiven. Yes, I am breaking the law of purity every day. But again, still there is hope. Because the object of Christ's manifestation, why Christ became man, to take away all our sins. And in him, there is no sin. But he carried our sins in order for us to be like him without sin. And every time after repentance and communion, we are without sin like him. If we are the children of God, and we are in God, we should be separate from sins. Separate from sin. And one cease to abide in him, if you abide in Christ, when you engaging in sinning. I cease to abide in Christ once I engage in sin. The moment I sin, that's separation from Christ, separation from God. Because there is no fellowship between light and darkness. So once I engage in sin, I cease to be the Son of God or abiding in Him. In repentance, confession and communion, I am reconnected. When my sins are forgiven, then I am reconnected with Christ. That's why in verse 6 he said, Whoever abides in him, in Christ, does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. If I am committing sins, I am not living life of repentance, I cannot say I love God, or I know God, or I have seen God. Because those who abide in Christ do not sin. Those who abide in Christ do not sin. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he, God, is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil. I cannot say I am among the children of God and I'm committing sins. I'm not living the life of repentance. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. In his pride, he transgressed and rebelled against God. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
the purpose of incarnation. He became man to destroy the works of the devil. And by destroying the works of the devil, he set us free from the ruling of the devil. So St. John is saying, he who sins habitually, sin became a habit without living the life of repentance, shows that he has not experimental insight and knowledge of Christ. He never seen Christ. He never knew Christ. Again, there is, all of us who are sinners, but there is a difference between a person who sins habitually and a person who, yes, he sins, but immediately after he falls, he rises up again and repents. And there is no fellowship with the sinless one. If I am sinning habitually, I cannot say I have fellowship with God, because God is sinless. So if I am sinning habitually with no repentance, I have no fellowship with God. And he said he cannot see God, because to see spiritually is a further step than to know Him. Knowing, maybe you know by your mind, but seeing, maybe you know about Australia, but when you go and visit Australia, you have seen Australia. Maybe you know about this public figure, but when you see him, you know him. That's why he said he has not seen him or known him. So when I repent, I will get to know God, and then I will see God with my internal eye. I will have this insight within me to be able to see God. That's why he said, little children, do not be deceived. Do not be deluded into the belief that anyone can be righteous unless he practices righteousness. You cannot say, I am righteous. You cannot say, I am pure, if you are not living righteousness. If you are not practicing righteousness. A sinful life is a proof of the devil power, that you give the devil power over you. Because the devil transgressed from the very beginning. Who is the first sinner in the universe? The devil. Even before Adam and Eve, when they transgressed against God, and when the devil said, I will put my throne above the throne of God. So the devil actually transgressed from the very beginning. But Christ came, we are fasting now the Advent, the Nativity fast. So he's speaking here about reasons why we are fasting, why you are celebrating the Nativity. Number one, Jesus was manifested to take away our sins. Number two, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. It is his work, the work of Christ, to destroy sin in all his children. So Christ came to destroy sin in our life. So we don't have an excuse. I cannot say I cannot overcome sin. Because the purpose of the incarnation of the Son of God is to destroy sin in our life. 
and the children of God do not live a life of sin. Yes, they may fall into sin, but they repent immediately. But they don't live life of sin. Those who are born of God, the new creation, do not sin and cannot sin because they have the Holy Spirit in them. But sometimes the old nature revives in us and for a moment exert its power and we fall in sin, but we rise again. That's why in verse 9, he said, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. When we are born of God, then the seed of God, the Spirit of God is in us. We are born of the Spirit. That's why we cannot sin. How I am the Son of God and I sin. I cannot sin. Not only I will not sin, but I cannot sin because He has been born of God. Yes, as I said, the old nature sometimes revives in us and for a moment exert its power over me and I fall in sin, but it's a moment and I will rise up again. But let me explain something here about he cannot sin. Now we have the promise of adoption. In baptism we have the promise of adoption. But the full adoption, the full adoption will be in the second coming of Christ. Like a boy married a girl. During the time of engagement, so there is like a promise, she will be a daughter to his father. But the fulfillment of this promise that this girl will be the daughter of this boy's father will be fulfilled in marriage. In the same way, Christ is our bridegroom. And now we are in betrothal, engagement. So we have the promise that will be children of the father. But the fulfillment of this promise after the wedding. And when the wedding in the second coming of Christ. So after the wedding, in the second coming of Christ, then we will be fully adopted. That's why when St. John said the children of God cannot sin in, in the eternal life, we cannot sin. There is no sin. We cannot sin because our nature will be completely changed and we cannot sin because we are born of the Father. Verse 10 In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. If you don't do what is right you are not the children from among the children of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. Because the commandment of God can be actually summarize it in this one word, love. So if I don't love the brother, my brethren, then I'm not practicing righteousness. And if I'm not practicing righteousness, then I am not among the children of God. So there is a distinction, a clear distinction between God's children and those of the devil. 
The children of God are full of love and live holy life. And those of the devil are the opposite. They are not holy, they are not godly, and they don't know the sacrificial love. The love that's sacrificial, unconditional, limitless, they don't know this love. God's commandment has always been for us to love one another, even to love our enemies. If we hate, then we are not children of God. If we don't like our brethren, we are not children of God. And he gave us the example of Cain. In verse 11 he said, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. What is the message? That we should love one another. As I told you, the whole scripture, the whole Bible, all the commandment of God can be summarized in this word, love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Cain, in Genesis, did not love his brother because he was a son of the devil, not a son of God. If Cain was son of God, he wouldn't kill his brother. That's why he said in verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, was of the wicked one, a son of the devil, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Did Abel trigger his anger? Did Abel do anything wrong that triggered the hatred of Cain? No, actually. Because his works, the works of Cain were evil, and his brothers righteous. So this made him angry. This in itself made Cain wanted to kill Abel. So Cain hated his brother and slew his brother is an extreme example of the children of the devil who hate and kill. Maybe we literally don't kill, but maybe you can socially kill somebody. What do I mean? If I hate somebody, so I isolate him. I don't communicate, I abandon him. And I speak bad about this person with my friends. All my friends will push him away. That's like a social murder. Why? Because this is hatred. I hate him. Maybe I'm jealous, like Cain was jealous of Abel. And in this way, I cannot claim to be son of God or daughter of God. If that's what I'm doing, then I am a son of the devil or a daughter of the devil. Cain killed Abel just for his goodness. Abel did not do anything bad, but he was a good, a righteous person. And Cain, since he couldn't be righteous like Abel, that's why he killed him. In the same way, the world does not love us because the world is of the devil. That's why the world doesn't love the children of God. And he told us in verse 13, Don't marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. They killed the Lord Jesus Christ. They hated the Lord Jesus Christ. It's expected to hate us also and to persecute us. If you are living life of purity, if you think, no, I don't dance, I don't drink, I don't date, I don't, maybe others will make fun of you. Maybe others will try to put you down. Maybe others will try to laugh at you. But don't marvel. Don't say why this is happening to me. Don't marvel, my brethren, 
if the world hates you the marvel would be actually if the world loved me if the world loved me then there is something wrong because the world feels its bad word tactically reproved by our good work like how Cain's bad work was reproved by the good works of Abel that's why when we live righteously when we live purely this will reprove the bad works of the world so the world will hate us go speak against homosexuality the world will be against you go speak against transgenderism the world will be against you why? because our good works actually reprove the bad works of the world then he said we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren he who does not love his brother abides in death why he abides in death? if I don't love my brother then I hate him and the wages of sin is what? is death so if I hate my brother then I deserve death but when I repent and I love my brother then I move from death to life it's resurrection that's why he said we know that we have passed from death to life from sentence of death to be alive when we love the brethren because he who does not love his brother abides in death we cannot love our brethren unless we pass from spiritual death to life unless we are born of God when we are born of God then our heart will be purified and my heart is pure I can love even I can love my enemy but he who does not love his brother abides in death abides in death means he is not born of God he is not among the children of God and he who is not born of God cannot love his brother it goes both ways I cannot love my brother if I am not born of God and also if I am not born of God I cannot love my brother so I can say he who hates his brother has the seeds but not the seeds from God but the seeds from the devil and the seed of hatred it can grow and end up in murder why Cain killed his brother it started not by a sin of murder but a sin of hatred and this hatred grew as a seed in the heart of Cain till he decided to kill his brother so hatred led Cain to murder and it does many other who sin likewise that's why in verse 15 he said whoever hates his brother is a murderer even if you don't kill your brother literally but just if you hate him you have the potential to kill him and as I said there are several times of killing there is something called character assassination when actually you attack somebody or attack his character so that's a murder and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him because the wages of sin is sin and he who kills should be killed 
So the murderer has no eternal life abiding in him. It is impossible for a man to have the spirit of murder in him and yet have eternal life. It's impossible for a person who hates his brother and yet have eternal life. The punishment of a murderer on earth is to be killed. And in the same way, the murderer, his eternal punishment is also eternal hell, eternal to be thrown in the lake of fire, unless he repents. If he repents, God will forgive him. If he does not repent, he will not have eternal life. Now we saw what hatred is. Hatred leads to killing, to murder. So what about love? Leads to what? Hatred leads to killing the other. Love leads to laying myself for others. As we read in verse 16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So it's exactly the opposite. Hatred makes the person kill the other person. Love makes the person willing to die for the other person, as Christ died on the cross for us. The love of Christ is shown on the cross. Christ is love, God is love. If we love as Christ loved, we must be willing even to die for each other. We need to be willing to die for each other. That's love, that's a sacrificial love. If this be true, if I am willing to die for the other, what shall be said of one who refuses to help his brother with all his goods? What is more precious for me, my life or my money? If I say I am willing to die for my brother, but I refuse to help him when he's in need, I'm a liar. How can I die for my brother if I refuse to help him with my goods. That's why he said in verse 17, But whoever has these worldly goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, he refused to help him, how does the love of God abide in him? How he can say, I love my brother? He's a liar. If I cannot help my brother, not only financially, maybe he needs advice, maybe uh, he needs support, motivation, encouragement, a smile to listen to him, to let him just share with me or vent to me. All this actually are signs of love. That's why in verse 18 he said, My little children, let us not love in word but or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our love must not show itself in empty words. I say, I love you, I care about you, I am here for you. These just are words. If our love is practical, then we have true faith. Christ did not say, I love you, and that's it, but he died on the cross. Only then, when our love is practical, then we have a good conscience before God. And that's why he said, in verse 19, 
And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. When we love one another, the children of the world cannot die for each other. The children of the, of the world don't know the sacrificial But if we have this type of love in our heart, then we know we are of truth. We are of truth means what? We have the right faith. We are the children of God. I cannot say I know the truth and I'm cursing you all the day. Some people on social media, they claim they are defending the truth. But how they defend the truth? By cursing others. This in itself is an evidence they are following falsehood. Because there is no love here in cursing one another. But if my love is manifest, the true love that's unconditional, that's limitless, that's sacrificial, then actually we are of the truth. We are the children of God and we have the true faith. And shall assure our heart before him, I will not be worried in his second coming about my destiny. Actually, this will assure my heart. I will have confidence that I will inherit the kingdom of God. For if our heart condemn us, if your heart condemn you because lack of love, because you are holding grudges, because you are not practicing righteousness, because you are not loving the brethren, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from God. If your heart condemn you, this means God knows that you are doing something wrong. You cannot actually hide it from God. If we have a troubled conscience, because we have not kept the law of love, we cannot hide it from God. Because God is greater than your heart. God also knows all things. So that there is no hope of hiding your hatred from God. God said to Cain, the blood of your brother is crying. But if our conscience does not condemn us, and our conscience are anointed by the Holy Spirit, then we have a conscience void of offense before God. That's why in verse 21 he said, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, does not condemn us not because our conscience is dead, no, our heart and our conscience is anointed by the Holy Spirit, but does not condemn us because we follow the law of love, then we have confidence toward God. Every night examine yourself and see whether your conscience that's anointed by the Holy Spirit condemns you or not. Are you following the law of love or not? If you are following the law of love according to God's standard, then you have confidence toward God. But if your conscience or heart condemns you, then you need to repent. Verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. If our conscience does not condemn us, then when we pray and we ask from God, we will receive it from Him. Because we keep His commandment and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Many people ask, why 
God doesn't listen to us. That's an answer. If our conscience does not condemn us because we keep the law of God and we keep His commandment and we do things that are pleasing in His sight, God will answer our prayers. Then, if our heart does not condemn us, we are assured that He will hear our prayers because we are keeping His commandment. And the commandment of God can be summed up in one sentence, but has two parts. Faith, the true faith, and the good deeds. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the brethren. I remember one time they asked His Holiness Pope Shenouda, who will go to heaven, the Jewish people or the Christian or the Muslims? So he said, those who have the right faith and good works. Faith and good works, which love? These are the two elements. As we read in verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Faith. And love one another as he gave us commandment. These are too important to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to love the brethren. When we keep these two commandments, we will dwell in God and God dwells in us. As we read in verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments, faith and love, abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us. How we know that God is abiding in us? By the Spirit whom he has given us. Because the Holy Spirit abides in us. By keeping the commandment of God, the true faith and the law of love, we dwell in Him and He in us. And the Spirit who dwells in us is manifest by its fruit. So when I bear the fruit of the Spirit, this means I have the Holy Spirit. If I don't bear the fruit of the Spirit, then I don't have the Holy Spirit. And if I have the Holy Spirit, this means God is abiding in me. That's what he said. How would we know that God is abiding in us by the Spirit? How we know that there is a garden here if you find the fruits? But if you don't see fruits, you cannot say, yes, there is seeds of, of fruits are planted. By the fruit of the Spirit, you know that God is abiding in you. If we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life, it is proof that Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit dwell in us. As we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, if we are led by the Spirit, we are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit means you are bearing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you are led by the Holy Spirit. In this way, actually, you are the children of God. This concludes chapter 3 from 1 John. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.